our lesson text and I'll give you a chance to, at the end here, do some, some discussion because I want us to do some reflection and kind of see where we are in our faith journey, okay? Uh, so if you have your Bibles, guys, I'm going to uh, ask you to turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter number two. Colossians number two. And, and tonight, again, on Sunday, we wrapped up with the, the last part of our lesson, which was uh, discipling people. And so uh, when, we, when it comes to discipling people, um, uh, that's something that we have to put on our radar screen. God saved us, uh, Colossians, the second chapter, and we'll start at, start at verse number one, Colossians two, verse number one. Um, God saved us so that we could be instrumental in the discipling process. But again, as I said before, it's going to be difficult for us to disciple someone uh, if we ourselves have not been discipled. If we don't take the time uh, to make this a, a part of our spiritual journey, God's desire is to use every one of us in here to influence someone else. OK, and so let's look at this. Let's if you don't mind, guys, let's pop it up in the New Living Translation. Uh, and this is Paul letter to the saints at Colossae. He writing, uh, encouraging them in their faith walk. Uh, but Colossians chapter two, verse number one from the NLT, if you can right quick. Uh, I want us to see this. Uh, because caring is, is, as I told you on Sunday, is the epitome of living out the Great Commission. Um, and we know that when people are facing difficulties, when people are, uh, are in need of care ministry, or when people are in a posi position where they need to know that someone cares about them, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a financial difficulty, uh, whether that's a relationship breakdown, Whatever it may be, when we as a body of believers are willing to engage people, uh, to spend time with people, uh, to show the love of God that's on the inside of us and allow that to exude out of us, then people will begin to see the love of God, amen, manifested in the earth realm. Because again, remember, uh, they can't see God. As a matter of fact, there was a uh, there was a, a passage I think was was Jesus may have said this. How can you uh, love God who you never seen and uh, hate man who you see every day? All right, and that's that's not that's not something when you think about this. Uh, when it talks about people, when we talk about discipling, we're talking about being able to show that God is real through our love for and our care for our fellow man. People aren't going to see God until they see him in us, all right? In our lifestyle and what we do uh, will draw them to the God who we serve, all right? So God is counting on all of us to be a vessel that he can utilize to show his love to a dying world, all right? So let's look at this right quick. Colossians 2 verse 1 says what? I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have, who have never met me personally. Notice Paul's terminology. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you. All right? Uh, keep that in mind. Verse 2 says what? Let's read together. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge in Christ Jesus. We read that Sunday. Verse four, let's read. 
I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Paul's talking here. Now look at verse 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to what? Follow him. Verse 7, we read it on Sunday. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with what? Thankfulness. Verse 8, for good measure. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. All right? So the fullness of God was manifested in human body in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross for our sins. So Paul is encouraging uh, this, this church here, the saints at Colossae, and he, and he encourages them uh, to stand tall and to, and to let their roots grow down deep in Christ Jesus. Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, uh, and let's uh, look at verse number 58. We'll look at one verse from that chapter, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, Verse number 58, this is something that we have to do. Now, guys, if we're going to disciple people, we said we have to engage people. Uh, and engaging people mean, means that that I, when, when I see that there is a need, when I see that there's a concern that needs to be addressed, then my approach to that person has to go beyond just being trans, what I tell you, transactional to being relational. Somebody real quickly Tell me the difference between being, in, in, in succinct terms, what's the difference between tra being transactional and being relational? Real quick, anybody? Okay. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Transactional is kind of on the surface. Hey, how you doing? Okay, what's the, what's the need? How can I help you feel the need? Okay, I feel the need, and then I'm going about my business. That's transactional. Relational, getting involved on a deeper level. Okay, yeah, there's a need here, but there's a need here, and that need has been expressed and made known to me so that God can use me to connect with this person it, to go beyond just meeting the transactional need. Are you following me? Every time, guys, you come in contact with somebody, every time there's a need that arises, every time that there's a situation that needs to be dealt with, in our mind, I want you as your pastor and God wants you as a potential disciple maker to think in your mind, God, how can I, given this situation that's brought me and this person together, how can I show your love to this person that I'm interacting with? And how can I be used by you to help build this person up in the areas they need to be built up in? How can I engage with them and, and become more relational rather than just transactional? Okay? Is, is that, that makes sense? Anybody have anything else to add to that? I think that was perfect. Anybody else? So God wants us to be what? Relational, 
not just what? Transactional. Y'all see the difference? When we started this ministry, not this ministry, when we started this lesson on, on caring, do you really care? You remember I showed you the, uh, the picture of that guy and, and it was, it was a, an illusional picture where when you looked at it one way, it, it, you could see that it was a front view. If you kept staring at it long enough, it looked, it looked like it was what? A side view. The one on the right with the late with the picture of the lady, you, you, it was either an old lady or a young lady, depending on your perspective. And so I'm prayerful that through these last 10 weeks, you've come to understand that caring for people or care ministry goes beyond just meeting a transactional need. Caring means that I am committed to being relational with people so that I can have the opportunity and earn the right to speak into their life the truths of God's word. Okay, are y'all with me? So look at what the text says here. As Paul writes this to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, let's read it, verse 58, out loud, no purpose. It says what? So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. There's that adverb, enthusiastically, which tells us how we should always work for the Lord, correct? Now, let's, let's have confession time, because confession is good for our souls. How many of you are sitting here right now will confess, amen, before, the, before this Bible study class, there have been times you've done work for the Lord, but you were not very enthusiastic about it. Can I get a choir member who's come up here on Sunday morning for 7 o'clock choir rehearsal, and there was some time when you were not enthusiastic. Then you're saying God, he's, he's big and strong, but at 7 a.m., come on now, can I get a witness? Somebody along the way said, I don't go there. Why don't Marrera change that thing from 7 a.m. to Saturday night sometime? That's 7 a.m. is makes for a long day. So maybe you were not always enthusiastic, but the, the text says you always work what? Enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord, what? Is ever useless. Because I know when I am doing what I'm doing and I'm doing it for the glory of God, it will never be useless. God will always use that to build me or build someone else and to advance his kingdom principles. So when I do it, I'm going to work enthusiastically for the Lord. Okay, so that means that there are going to be some times, child of God, where you got to work on your attitude. In the church. You got to work on your attitude. In the class, you got to work on your attitude when we're working together to do VBS or doing whatever outreach ministry we do because uh, it takes a lot of work and focus and we got to stay on point and make sure that we're doing it with the right attitude. So he said work enthusiastically unto the Lord because nothing that we do will be useless, okay? Now, uh, we, we share some things with you and uh, I'm going to just touch real brief on this. Uh, we talked about some things that we need to consider. We said we got to recognize the opportunity. And we looked at uh, the parable of, of the sower. And you guys understand that the parable of the sower had, had everything to do with the seed being the word of God. And the conditions of the soil were the condition of men's hearts. So when you come to a Bible study like this, uh, corporate Bible study, or even on Sunday morning, it's crucially important that you check the condition of your heart as the word, the seed of the word is coming forth. Because depending on the condition of your heart, it's going to determine what kind of uh, uh, fruit that word that you're hearing is going to produce. How many of you realize that 
out of the people that are here in this room, half of you may produce fruit from the word that you hear and begin to impact lives. And the other half, the word, that this very same word that the other half heard won't produce anything. Is it the fault of the fruit? No. Is it the fault, is it the fault of the seed? No. According to uh, uh, the, the, the parable of the sower, the condition of your heart will determine what kind of impact the word of God has. So that means when I come to Sunday school, when I come to men's ministry, when I come to uh, Real for Christ, when, I, when, I'm, whatever, when I'm coming to Bible, corporate Bible study, I have to check my condition. I got to make sure that my heart is ready to receive the word that's coming forth. And what does it mean to receive the word? Somebody help me right quick. Carolyn, when, you, when I say receive the word, what am I, what am I saying? Okay. To not only just hear it and, and say receive in my heart, but to do something with it. Because ultimately, the receptiveness of the word into your heart will determine how, how open you are to hearing what's taught, rightly divided, amen, exegetically correct, Bible teaching, and say that's what the Bible means. And even though I don't feel it, even though I may not see it, even though it may not be at the, at the top of my mind, I am going to make myself, I'm going to bring my flesh under subjection to my spirit and do what that word just told me to do, even when I don't feel it. Because, again, obedience has everything to do with who we're submitting ourselves to. I don't have to, listen, when the word of God comes forth, I don't have to feel it before I do it. Some people say, well, if, if I do it and I don't feel it, am I being hypocritical? No, you're being obedient. Are you following me? And nothing wrong with being, listen, there are going to be some folks who God's going to put in your life and he's going to tell you to go be relational with them when all you want to do is be transactional with them. Because you want to go over there and give them a meal and then leave them. Okay, come on, talk. Can we talk? Because we, 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 we try to develop care ministry, and if we're going to do care ministry right in the biblical way, you know, that's great that you brought them a meal. But guess what we said? Caring is what? Relational, not just what? Transactional. So keep in mind, God wants us to engage with people at a deeper level, and when we go and give the meal, when we go and give the ride, when we go and give them a piece of money, that the Holy Spirit told us to give them to meet a need, and we're going to give it to them, not loan it to them. How many know sometimes God said just give it to them? I said, how many, some, how many know sometimes God said just give them that $50? I said, how many of you know sometimes God will put in your spirit, and you know when he did it. They came to borrow it, and God says, meet the need, give it to them. Because I, I want to try to open up a relationship. Now, again, here, here, here's, here's the question that I've gotten uh, with uh, pull asides after the sermon, uh, phone calls, even text messages from people. The first thing that people are thinking when, when we, we talk about being relational, when we talk about being meeting the need, one of the first things that people have pulled me aside and asked, well, Brother Pastor, are, 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 I, I, 
Are you saying let somebody use me? Come on now. And what I, what I will tell you is this. No, I'm not saying let somebody use you up. Because God will give you wisdom to know when somebody's trying to use you. If you connect it with him. God, God will give you the wisdom to know that if, if you help in this particular situation, you're only enabling that person. Don't sow. Because every need that comes up, I don't need to sow into. And neither do you. But there are a lot of them that are. That we do need to sow into. Is everybody with me? So the Holy Spirit will give you the discernment. And, but we got to just be obedient. Amen? So this is not a lesson to say, let someone take advantage of your generosity. This is a lesson to say that we have an obligation to, to go beyond just meeting the need and be relational. And be relational to the point where we, 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 we develop a bond with that person so that we can pour into their lives. And they, we can strengthen them and they in turn can help strengthen us because God's going to use us to minister to people. So let's make that very clear. We want to be what? Relational. That's God's will for our life. But we got to make sure that, that we are enthusiastic in doing the work of the Lord and that we have our heart conditioned to receive the word of God. So uh, we, we, with, when the word comes, when you come and hear word, we have a responsibility and an obligation to begin to do that word. Now go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. 1 Corinthians, chapter number three. Now, back up. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 2 Corinthians 4, and let's start at verse number 1. Everybody still with me? Now again, um, this, this, this particular last lesson that we talked about was discipling people. And we got we to get ourselves in a position where we can do that. But that's going to be hard to do if, we, if we're not willing to be discipled ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, and let's look at verse number 1. Who's writing? Who's he writing to? Okay, the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. Let's, let's read together out loud and on purpose. Ready? Read. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God. And all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has did what? Has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. How many of y'all know people who, are, who, when you talk to them about spiritual truths and about the things of God, it looks like they just don't get it. It looks like they just confuse it all, get out, and they won't receive what you are telling them. Look at what the text says. One of the reasons why it is, Satan is the God of the world, has blinded the minds. He's blind, he blinds the minds of those who don't believe. So when a person don't, don't, won't receive the word of God, Satan comes in and puts a veil over their face. So they can't they can't understand what you're saying. Look at what the text says. It says, they, they don't, uh, look at verse number, where we have verse four says, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. 
What did Paul say? We don't go around preaching about ourselves. He says, we preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are the servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Notice what Paul's, notice Paul's language here. Uh, he says that uh, we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What is the great treasure he's talking about here? The light of the gospel. In other words, guys, each one of us in here have been entrusted with something that is extremely valuable. Each one of us in here have been entrusted with a message that is able to transform a person's life. Think about your own life for a second. The gospel has transformed you, right? How many of y'all are, are, are here today would say, well, Pastor, I remember when I wasn't saved and I wasn't nothing nice. Well, some of y'all say, well, Brother Pastor, I've always been a good person. I had good grades and I did good things. But you, listen, you can, you can be a good person, you can have good grades, you can be a community-involved person and still be nasty on the inside. Because our goodness is not determined by what we do. We're not good enough in the sight of God because our righteousness as a filthy rag in the sight of God. So, so all of us have had some things in our past, amen, that we, when we look back at it, we can say, you know what? Uh, I thank God that he transformed my life. Some more than others, right? Some of you know you were undercover sneaky. You were undercover sinner. You know, on the outside, people thought you were something just great. But underneath, and when the lights were turned down low, on the back side of the house or wherever you were, you were, you were, you were a, a, a devious little thing. I, I'm not going to ask you to reveal your stuff from the back side of the house. But the point is, you know and God knows where you were. Like I told you on Sunday, you know that thing that nobody else knows that you did and God delivered you from that thing that you did and nobody else knows that you did. And you're thanking God right now that nobody knows what you did. Or whoever knows, they they're gone, they live in California somewhere and they're not around the people who you know. I need to see somebody who got something like that in your life. Okay, all right. Just want to make sure. I want to make sure I wasn't the only one, okay? <laughs> all right. So, 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 so God saved us, delivered us, brought us into a new place, and entrusted us. We, the, Paul says, we're like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. He entrusted us, not angels, with the gospel message to deliver to people. The gospel message that is, that's able to transform somebody else's life just like it transformed your life. That's powerful, okay? This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves because we're fragile. Come on now. All it takes for some of us is just one look, a one trip, or just, just one bad day, one bad moment, and some of us are cut loose. Right? Ever say, I'm a little fragile, Pastor. Say, keep me Jesus. Keep me Jesus. All right? This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. 
that, that great treasure that we have on the inside of us. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. Verse 8. It says what? We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Paul, is talking, Paul says, you know, uh, I, I've gone through some things. My life has been threatened, but you, but you know what? I live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. All the stuff that I'm going through, I still preach the gospel and you got saved. So you got eternal life. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. God receives more and more glory, not by us just bringing members to the church, but, but seeing uh, life transformation, seeing people accept Christ as a personal savior. I get more, I get excited when God brings people to help, help in his work of ministry, but you know, I get more excited when it's a new convert. Transfer growth is okay because God sends people here to us who are already saved. But I get more excited when someone comes and says, I've accepted Christ as my personal savior because your member from EBC chose to be relational with me during my time of need. And as a result of them being relational with me and sharing the gospel with me, I accepted Christ as my personal savior. And Pastor Adams, I, I thank God for that. And I'm coming to unite with this church, amen, because I'm saved. I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it, it all started with that EBC member who chose to care about me. Man, when that happened, yeah, I, I, I will shout. when that, Every time that happens, I shout. I thank God when we get an opportunity to minister and to share with people. Because that's, that's, that's why we're here, folks. All right. So, 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 so when we look at this thing, let's, let's go, if you will. Uh, one of the things that I told you on Sunday was uh, part of our outline was we, we said address the need, but we also said that 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 we should uh, function as the church, function corporately as the church. Look with me, uh, if you will, go with me to First Corinthians the twelfth chapter, because we all are, are are together. We need each other. Uh, one of the things that we have to know and understand is that. Life change, I told you, begins with God. Authentic change begins with God, not us, right? Go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, uh, verse number 14. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 14. Um, and we all, all of us have been gifted uh, to help build the body here. And so that's why it's important for you to not ever think that you're insignificant and not important. Don't ever think that. Each one of us... Each one of us in here have the capacity to influence lives for the cause of Christ. So that's why it's important for us to get more comfortable in doing that. Amen. First Corinthians chapter number 12. Look at verse number 14 and we'll skip down to 24 through 27. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Y'all realize that, right? 
The body has many different parts, not just one part. Skip down to verse number 24. Glory to God. He says, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. In other words, God is saying that those things that we think are insignificant, I'm just paraphrasing, those things that we think are insignificant in the body of Christ are actually really important. And God is, he's put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. How many, how many, of, y'all, how many of y'all have a little, on each foot have a little toe? If you got five toes on each, how many of y'all have a, how many a little toe? Okay, if you don't have a little toe, that's okay. Uh, some people have six toes, okay? That, that's not the point. <laughs> My point is this. A little toe may seem insignificant until a corn gets on it. This is real. For the past week, Stafford, I've had a, a, a corn on my toe. And I had shoes that in the normal course of walking are very comfortable. But with that corn on the toe, it made walking very difficult. I mean, it, it, that, little, that little pinky toe had me walking like this, y'all. You know? My whole body has is, 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 is changed its total walk because of that one little, that one little part that seems insignificant until it starts to hurt. Until it starts to not function properly. All right? Now, think about that for a second. If that one little pinky toe does that to my body, change my whole walk, I wasn't trying to be cool. I was trying to just get to where I was going. And literally, guys, there were places I wanted to go, and I knew I had to park and walk a long ways. I chose not to go that day. It hurt that bad. But I thank God I kept putting stuff on it, and it eventually went away, and now I can walk normally. Now, guys, think about this for a second. If, if the text says God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity, what he's saying here spiritually speaking, in the body of Christ, don't ever discount the gifting that God has placed on the inside of you. It's important and we need it. It's important and it's need. Some people say, well, Brother Pastor, I'm not, I'm not a good speaker. Uh, you know, I'm not comfortable doing that. But you know what? If you need me to help do whatever, support a family, go cook for them or go, 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 go do some, run some errands for them, I'm willing to go do that. And that's important. That is important. Because through doing those errands, through do, cooking for somebody, you, you have the opportunity to build a relationship with them. And as a result, they see the love of God in you and they'll listen to the God who you're talking about once they know that you care about them. What's so adage? People want to know that you care before they care how much you know, right? So, so that's, that's really important. Keep reading. Verse 25. Come on, let's go. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. All the members care for what? All the members care for what? Each other. 26, let's read. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Watch this. Last verse. It says what? 27. All of you together 
Stop. Let me point to y'all. All of us together, along with the body of Christ universally, all of us together are what? Christ's body. Not me and five of us, but all of us. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Don't you dare let the devil play with your mind and tell you you are unimportant to what God is doing in the earth realm. Don't you dare let him run mind games on you like that and mess you up and having you in a state of depression, having you not want to be involved and not come to church. That, and that's a lie from the pits of hell. The text just says all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So you are important. This type of self, you're not being uh, 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 narcissistic and you, you're not being braggadocious. Just tap, tap yourself and say, I'm important to the body. Because God said so. Amen? Are you, are you with me? Now, conversely, there are some people who think that they're too important. And the Bible bows it out. Say, don't think of yourself more high than you ought to. But you ought to don't, don't think of yourself lower than you ought to either. Amen? All right. So, when we function as a church, we, we, we function together. And God is trying to help us get to where we need to be. So, now, watch this, guys. Uh... One, one thing I want you to realize is that is that God wants to move us to a place of, of, of glory. He wants to move us to a place to where we as a church are, are doing the things that he desires for us to do. Go with me to, uh, back to Colossians, the third chapter this time. Colossians 3, verse 12. Start at verse 12. I gave you two key points on, on Sunday. And, and the thing that I told you was that you can make a difference. You can make a difference. And what the enemy tries to get us to, to think is that we, we you know, it, it won't matter if I'm not involved. You know, after all, they didn't pick me to lead the song. They didn't pick me to lead the ministry. Um, pastor didn't call me up to the front and put me on the stage. Don't nobody care about me. That's a lie. That is a lie from the devil. God loves you. I need somebody need to hear that. God loves you, and you're important to his mission here on earth. You're a born-again believer. Watch what the text says here. So you can make a difference. Um, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Now, I need, I need, I need somebody to help me. How do you make an allowance for somebody's faults? Real quickly, somebody right quick. How do you make it? Because it, it says right there, make allowance for each other's faults. What does that mean? Can somebody help me? Huh? Say it, say it either. Don't hold it against them, okay? When I make allowance for your faults, that, does that mean that, I, uh, okay, you don't hold it against them? You don't encourage them in it, but you don't allow that person's fault because all of, all of us have them, right? 
In other words, when somebody messes up, and we all do, don't throw them away. That's basically what it's saying. When they make allow for each other to fall and forgive anyone who offends you. If somebody, how many of y'all have been offended by somebody in the church before? Come on, how many, how many of y'all been offended by somebody in the church before? It's, it's hard to be offended by people who you're not in a relationship with. Right? I mean, that, that, I, this has happened to me. I, I tell you the time about that guy, we pull up behind him and we stop behind him. I don't know what his problem was. But when we got beside him, he flipped the bird at me. Y'all remember me telling y'all that? And how in my flesh, Doris, I want to follow him. And I want to find him, Stafford. And I want to, I, I kind of want to do something to him. Not knowing what he had. He may have had something in his car that I didn't have in my car. Uh, but my flesh want to follow him until my wife uh, talked me that out of it. And I don't know who that guy was. But, 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 but really, once, once she said, that's not a good idea, let's keep moving on, I forgot all about that. But guess what? If I'd have walked in church, come on now, and Mac Harris shot the bird at me, not that Mac would do that, but if Mac had did that, that would have affected me differently because I'm going to see Mac, I'm in relationship with Mac, and that probably would hurt my feelings that Mac shot the bird at me. Because we're in relationship together, right? So, but if Mac did that, I, I would have to forgive him. Amen? Because I got offended by it. Most of the time, we don't get really offended by people who we don't really know. Especially a stranger. Come on now. But it's people who we know that offend us. And so that's why the relational thing is very important. Because all of us in this body are in relationship together. And God is trying to use us to advance kingdom principle. And we cannot advance kingdom principle walking around offended with each other and not forgiving. So make allowance for each other's fault. When you're in a relationship with anybody, anybody that's been married longer than two seconds, no, you better learn this. You better learn this if you're going to stay married. People who don't stay married don't learn this. They don't make allowance for each other's faults. They just try to crucify each other. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive you must forgive others. 14, let's go. It says what? Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, love binds us together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. All right? You can make a difference. You can make a difference. Um... Uh, look, look with uh, verse seven, 16 and 17. We've we, we got to go to Second Thessalonians after this. Let the message about Christ in all this richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. 17 says what? And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 3. You can make a difference. It says this, dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is what? 
is growing. Your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. When that's happening, guys, it's going to be evident to the community at large that when our faith is flourishing and our love for one another is growing, people are going to see that and it's going to be attractive to them because we are God's people and we're loving one another. The Bible even says this, that that people are going to know that we are Christ's disciples by the love that we have one for another. Love is the abiding principle that helps us to get to where we need to be, okay? Now, uh, look, look at, your, out, look at your, your page that I gave you uh, with, with some questions on it. I want to uh, ask you a few questions real quickly, okay? <laughs> you all right there, Brother Ethan? Somebody have, I left my hand out. Uh, somebody have another question, sheet for question? Anybody got one? Thank you, Brother Okay, quick question. First question says, have there been a few people who played a particularly instrumental role in your faith journey? And if so, what would you want them to know about you right now at this point? Is, any, is anybody that you can think of that's played a instrumental role in your faith journey and what I, what I mean by faith journey I don't want, I don't want to speak Christianese what, what do you think I mean by when I say your faith journey why am I saying journey okay it's a walk a faith journey in other words it's the process of since you've been born again and have you moved along in God that's called a journey because the decision is the start of the journey it's not the end because you gave uh, the preacher your hand and God your heart that's not the beginning that's, that's the beginning not the end of the journey so so as you progress in your faith walk uh, uh, somebody had to be influential in leading you to Christ and so what uh, 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 are instrumental in, in your faith journey and getting you from one point to the next what would you want that person to know about you Tanya what would you want that person to know about you if, if that question was asked uh have there been a few people who played a particular instrumental role in your faith journey? If yeah, if so, what would you want them to know? Okay. Okay, brother Eddie, can you, can you be my my microphone walker for me right quick? I need to hear some response. That's good. You want them to know that. You want them to know that, correct? All right. Let's see. Let me get somebody else. Brother Danny. 